Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Tavo Diarcy, Dr. T, Tavo, T, whatever. And the name isn't important. The ministry isn't important, but hearing from the Lord is important. So we're going to put this out as a sila, submitted with great respect, deep respect to the men and women, the ministers of the body of Christ. And the word is for you, males and females. But then it is all other faiths or anybody who of any belief system is always welcome. But make sure you know the word is just directed to the Christian. And if it ticks somebody off, well, you know, I looked up reproof. Part of our ministry in the word of the Lord is a reprover and exhorter, but also an encourager. Just like we need exhorting and encouraging too as well. And so that based on Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which is the beginning verse for this ministry back in the 80s, back in the day. But anyway, so when I looked up reprover, because out here, when I relocated in the deep southwest, and you're not in the famous crowd, you're not rich, and you're out with the people who have really accumulated after all the TV ministers have come on the scene, good and not so good, just because of how they may twist or take their doctrine, add to it, pervert it, use it for gainsaying, you know, themselves. And not all are like that. But when you, in my ministry as a prophetic person, one of God's prophets in the Christian community, he had told me years ago on the East Coast, he says, if you see something, if I show you something three times or more, I want you to teach on it. If it's, you know, just one or two, then it could be a fluke. Also, whenever this happens, I examine my heart. Am I offended? Am I unforgiving? All those types of things. And that brings into the topic of about prophetic counseling, about the pop psychology in much of the church today. And I want to say I want to honor and thank all the founding fathers of all these different movements, males and females, black and white, tan, and any other color, because all of us would not be here today had we not had great Christian role models, good doctrine. I honor my father and mother as well that were pastors. So with that being said, I want to say there's so much good. You know, there's a lot more good going on with all the inner healing in different parts of the church, usually charismatic, prophetic. And there's a lot of good. But then you have to know that when everybody's doing it, the volumes of people that are now qualified to minister and many of them in the highest quality ministers are doing well very well but when you get out into the giant masses and you look at the ages and you look at the snap judging i think what i found was in ministry that because of the age we live in the stress factor the busyness the need to not be drained by people, God's people, because it does take time and emotional energy. But you can get so aloof, like a Eli High Priesthood of First Samuel, seen it all, done it all, jaded, making stereotypes, accusing the lone woman because you've seen baggage-laden little women. That's the Levitical patriarch side. 
negative side. When really, if you look at the test case of Hannah, Hannah was the future mother of the first prophet of the nation of Israel, but nobody knew it. Hannah certainly didn't. And neither did Eli, the temple high priest of the region, who tolerated and allowed his two associate ministers, his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, to take advantage of the people of God. And they were notorious. They were called the sons of Belial, or Belial, how do you pronounce it? B-E-L-I-E-L. That means Satan, the sons of the devil, because they were known to sleep with the women, use the women at the that came to the temple, and they pressured the people for God's offering and took it themselves. And yet Eli was controlled by them, or was it he tolerated, or he was in his own dream world, dull of perception, whatever it was, he the offering of the day, it says, in the nation of Israel was was looked down on. It was despised by God's people because of the two sons of Hophni and Phinehas. So one day God just sent an unknown prophet later in the story, and he said, Ichabod, the glory of the Lord is removed from Israel. Your whole household of priests will never sit on the in the priesthood of my ministry again, says the Lord, and that's what happens soon. But let's go back to the beginning. So the role model of the Eli Temple High Priesthood is compassion fatigued, jaded, jaundiced, dull of, perce- dull of perception and discernment, won't rise up, human up to set people down, won't confront, doesn't like it, or else is too controlled, wuss-like. And so by the time Eli had gotten to where he met Hannah, evidently he'd been around ministry for decades and he'd seen all these people you know right what what i've learned was i was so well raised by great honorable men gentlemen in ministry and business and new board members and friends in ministry that were so honorable not religious right but just right and being honorable and respectful treating me as a human instead of the little woman like a pharisee so when I moved, we relocated to the Deep South. It was like I was out with the masses, which I enjoy. That's my turf. I'm a front lines missionary on the battlefield, the nurse on the battlefield, one of them. So I enjoy it. But then I didn't realize that the different parts of the country, this is very Deep South. I thought I lived in the South on the East Coast in the state of Virginia because it was under the Mason-Dixon line that was not so it was this is really south it is so different it is a lot in the Christian community a lot of red state country and a lot of I hate to say it like this but good old persons per capita good old boys in ministry and girls all wise and you better watch out for them they'll try to dominate turf protect treat you like the little chattel little woman and then I never had ever even though I spoke up and down the east coast traveled in ministry had great many people around the area where I was that knew me in ministry I never had to really I never came across the vulture culture of Christian the vulture culture of fast-talking blame-shifting, avoiding user, which is out in our country. When I saw it once or twice, 
out here for the first time ever up close. I went, oh, is it them or me? What am I seeing? And then I saw it more and more. And the Lord said, just just picture you're seeing what I'm showing you, what I'm seeing. Don't take it personally. Take it prophetically. And I am. That's why I teach now. I think, first of my thought, there for the grace of God go I that would be that rough, tough con artist. And that would be blame shifting. They're the ones I always talk about that made such an impression. I never heard me like, if you want to confront them to get your stuff back that they're, they've stolen three different occasions within the first two years, computer, keyboard, different things that you think they're your peer or a friend or a helper. So anyway, I just thought, well, you know, if they take it, I've got to go be the, you know, leader and confront them in a polite and respectful fashion. So when you try and they avoid you and you even go above them, it's like, oh, you need to forgive them. You're not sweet like baby Jesus. I mean, I've said this before. It is just that bad. And you find that's part of the accepted hero, anti-hero role model. And you think, man, so I look at my heart and I look at the Bible and it says to Matthew eighteen fifteen, if somebody does something in Galatians 6, 1, you're supposed to go talk to them respectfully to preserve the relationship because it's a relationship issue. It's a Christian issue. It's a ministry respect issue, whether it's male or female. It isn't about the money. Hey, it does involve costly possessions, theft. But it was about confronting means you want to work it out without going to court. And you're doing it because God wants it that way. And it's respectful to keep a Christian minister, a peer, or anybody on the up and up. And that's part of relationship theology, respecting the human. All right. So when you do that and they say you're not sweet like baby Jesus, you're unforgiving. So you see like they're twisting that pop psychology, twisting because that's so clever. They're real smart. They really are smart. Too bad they can't use it all for God. So the the psychological edge, you have to be on your toes. And therefore, I, it drove me to study their doctrine. I thought, what's in the doctrinal bathwaters of this kind of crowd? And I realized these are the ones that maybe have gotten a lot of the ministry, not from formal seminary. My dad went to seminary and graduated. And there's nothing wrong. I didn't go. God told me not to go. But I mean, everybody's, it's your character, not your education. It's not your education in ministry. It's your character. And are you really valid with knowing the Lord and his Bible, his holy word? So you go out there and you think, you know what? I'm going to be in the, when, when I relocated, I really thought, you know, everybody from everywhere else in the world and on the East Coast thinks, man, you go down there to the DFW region where all those amazing ministries come out on TV, you're going like to the Mecca of the Christian world. And I will say it is, it is a Babylon at the grassroots. It is a Babylon of achievement. It is a Babylon of avoidance. It's a Babylon of getting your what you want. Achievement, aggression, and it's just not, you know, and then you realize that you're in certain pockets and of 
the legalism, shepherding, Western European Levitical patriarchism. Now, let me say this. It's because it's per capita, not everybody. People have a good soul, but they have to get redeemed and they have to get Jesus to really convict them that they're not manipulating or conning. And let me say this, the kinds that are, I'm out of that right now. I pulled out, I dropped out of being a charismatic and a, I used to go for years, the Lord would lead me to study his body starting at age 24 and I still do, but I got accused on the East Coast because they had Phariseeism, Phariseeism had come in at certain groups and no one had ever talked to me in, up front like Matthew eighteen fifteen, if they thought I was out of order, but for some reason a group started to rise that thought they were over everybody. They were the overseers and that everybody was under them. Therefore, everybody who had the spirit should be possessed by them and that they put themselves over to to watch everybody to see if they were under a famous preacher, went to church, and because they saw me far off at revivals, because all these moves of town started coming into the town, I was checking out different doctrines the Lord would lead me, and my husband was married. He said, that's fine. So that was our business, and then I had people I was accountable to, and those people didn't have any trouble with that. But these people who were the overseers, Pharisees, that came in of the new doctrine started to make it their business. And it was in 1997, 98, where I was always invited to pastors' gatherings and different things like that in my area, black and white reconciliation with pastors and leaders of ministry. And I never heard the word amongst the tongue talkers about church hoppers accusing somebody of being a church hopper. Well, that was a shock to me because one day I was in a meeting, probably 98, 97. After the meeting was over, the two pastors that I knew of smaller churches, and I didn't know about Welp then, I didn't know about, you know, all this stuff, Phariseeism. I just was there, you know, waiting to go home for some reason. And one of them said to the other, I saw your church members in my church the other day. And they shook their heads and clucked their tongues and they said, yeah, they're church hoppers. And I didn't realize that that was a big deal. It is a big deal. People, viewing people usually in the Deep South from afar and accusing them of being complaining, undermining or whatever with baggage church hoppers. Well, I had been led by the Spirit as part of the ministry to study and, you know, get imparted to and really enjoy, you know, and nothing was wrong with that. That was like my call. But nobody invited me to speak to them and say, well, how is God using you? So that's why I'm teaching big on that because it starts rumors, gossips, blackballing is what really happened to me. And this is Deep South shepherding Western, Euro- Western Levitical patriarchism, Western European, basically, heritage. And to me, it comes up from slave driver owning everybody. And it's part of what I've now put on my website, our website of the ministry, about the difference between white people, Caucasians, not all are racist, not all are whelp, and not all are not whelp. So there's we-centric, which means we are over everybody, we own everybody. It comes right from that deep south slave owner, or whatever it was, patriarchal. 
And then we have We Global, which is me, and that is multicultural, not wanting to own everybody, not needing to be over everybody. I'm a co-laborer with the other ministers. I don't want to possess people. And many people that I had, because I deal with a lot of black-skinned folk and brown, pure-hearted males and females, I realized that a lot of them have had to come out of not just slavery in the United States of the oppression, but they have to now deal with it in their in ministry that certain ones of their own, which I know about, they could be pr- pretty tough. Like auto, you know, like dominant. You got to be here all the time. You do don't you know have children unless I say you can. I had helpers, staff. Before I moved to Texas like that. That's why I know these things go on. I mentioned this that a few weeks ago. I had a female friend up from another state. Deep South state. And she was sharing the same thing. She's black. And she's saying how that she witnessed the minister. The dominating individual who was the minister of this big church. He lined up seven staff in a row and slapped their faces down the line. Because they displeased him. Now see... To me, that is just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking to hear people treated like slaves. So I'm trying to give out doctrine, stir up thought for people to pray. You know, we have a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and all of these can come under attack in ministry. But why do we want to add to people's attack in ministry to each other, peers, or do it to the people in the congregation? The Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, they shall see God. If your heart is pure, you're more likely to accurately discern and perceive the true Most High God and not be deceived. God can anoint your intelligence. I don't have that great an intelligence. God has given me his grace, his mercy to do what I get. I know the Holy Spirit. So can you. So I'm going to talk on pop psychology, and I really started off to talk about the, like, theophastic counseling, all this prayer healing, which some of it, a lot of it has helped many people. I've always had this, I've done it, and I've needed it, but it wasn't like I hadn't already gotten a lot from the Lord first. I sort of have this, my style is like, you know, you always check your heart if somebody has done something evil to you, sinister to you. You you always check, well, you know, did I do something? Do I have unforgiveness? And I've always done that. I always knew it was the devil. When I had somebody jump me the first time in a horrible way, out in a big crowd, and this one of these same people that I, Pharisees, I didn't know that they didn't believe in all the whole Bible, that they had put themselves up like autocrats over everybody, autocrats, and that they had the right, even though they accused me of being a church hopper they accused me of being in rebellion in my home but they'd never been to my home they had never spoken to me in public and instead they had judged and accused me from afar collectively and when i was standing out at a march for jesus i had been through a lot of domestic abuse and i was the mother of two children and in ministry and so i was exhausted i didn't feel great But I thought, should I go to the March for Jesus back in the 90s? Should I go for the March for Jesus or not? And I thought, you know, I can't hear God. And this is a lesson. Don't go unless you really hear God. I didn't know that. But I thought, my heart said, I love Jesus. I want to march in March for Jesus. So I went down there with a friend. 
Now, my friend Barbara was there, and she knew these people. And when they call me over, this main dominating individual, Pharisee, with a big, strong spirit, not too sweet, not too loving, not too gentlemanly, call me over. I was like, oh, yeah, there's a peer. I see him at prayer meetings and gatherings. I'm going to go say hello. Turned out he had an agenda. And what he did was he he didn't come from in front of me. He, he omitted, which is their way. The Pharisee way is never confront politely, respectfully, only jump people. <laughs> I didn't know that. It was, I'd never had that happen. I was I was raised Baptist. Turned out it's charismatic doctrine for anyone's, you know, that's why I learned the hard way some of this stuff. So he calls me over and I thought, oh yeah, he's going to be polite. We're going to chat like, you know, a fellow minister. Instead, he starts to read me out and he says, he says, everybody knows you're in rebellion in your home and you're not submitted. And I went, whoa, I thought my mind, but I was younger, a lot younger and more quiet. And I'd been through abuse and I was just caught off guard. And he says, and he's got another minister over that was in charge of, you know, the same group. And he says, I want him to be our wit your witness. And he started to do it again. I went, all I could do is be quiet. And, it, and something really broke in me. It really got to me. It was a spiritual, awful attack of autocracy, Phariseeism, an accuser, devil. And so I was just like quiet and I put my sunglasses on and like a zombie marched the rest of the way. Well, there in the crowd, my friend Barbara saw it. And so I forgave him, of course, but the spirit damage was brutal. It was a devilish damage. People get hurt in there by these spirits, your religious spirit. So I didn't know all this back then, many years ago. So I marched the march for Jesus with like a zombie. I just didn't have any energy. I was just like, I don't know, just out of it. You know, I was coherent, but I was like, I didn't have any energy, emotional energy left. So one of the wives of the one that they called over as a witness said, how's Tavo? And I couldn't say anything. I just sort of smiled a, a, as the word is written. One smile, a one, W-A-N, smile, bland smile of zombie. <laughs> and my friend knew that. So these things do happen. The devil is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's out to really hurt people and keep them from ministry. When I went home, I knew it was the devil. I knew because I'm a smart, I was raised Christian. And I forgave them immediately. But the spirit, plus being abused, was damaging, very damaging, like horrible. And I had, I was brave, and I just went to the Lord, and He taught me a lot of things. One of them is you have to forgive people in long suffering. Another thing is you can say that you forgive them for they know not what they do. But the big one is we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And I start, well, you know what? If I'm going to forgive everybody and I feel this bad, I'm going to go and write for the sake of, you know, learn to help people later that would have to go through this worse, which I have. So I started writing a book and I realized this was a because of abuse in the home really stressed and tired from being a mom and in ministry as well as the abuse and then having this horrible like a demonic attack from fellow peers phariseeism i thought 
It was like a multi-sided effect. I am multifaceted. I've always been multifaceted, multi-directional, multi-whatever, complex in the spirit realm and the natural realm can do a lot of things. So I realized when you're like a computer, you can do many things, then the devil can't shut you down in one way with one jump. He uses a multi-sided multi-sided attack and if anything through my life when I've gotten healed or I get under attack it can be a cluster bomb attack like that because it won't <laughs> it takes pile on over here it has been taken pile on. and when I came out here when I moved <laughs> relocated from uh the east coast I thought I'd been through trouble in the spirit realm I thought I'd seen it all darkness and you know demonic powers i'm a prophet a seer so a seer picks you know preserve perceives perceives in the spirit realm and thank god i was brought up in ministry with happy baptists and i'm a you know the lord and honorable this may sound the pit can be so bad naturally but i know the joy of the lord the holy spirit and he and i are personally acquainted and i have a great time in the most hellish, most awful abandonment, lack, want, abuse, being given the silent treatment for horrible things, I know the Lord. And you can too. I just go to the Lord and he says, you know, pray for the people. Forgive them. I say, all right, I will. Help me. And I do. And then when it's really bad, like domestic violence can go on for years and years and you don't know no you know it seems like they're not really good at counseling or people are sort of weak and tame especially in the white community certain parts not all and my father had died my you know all this stuff but the point is you have to grow up on your own and i would go to the lord and he would counsel me and there were not a lot of people i could tell cuz you know that's what i want to demystify you could you should be able to tell people if you're under attack when you find out though and this is leading to the pop psychology of the day that if you tell anybody anything that you're hurt those who have now gotten into the pop psychology of the charismatic prophetic mostly usually they will immediately withdraw package you as one that's wounded and not any better draw away they'll you know they'll shelve you refer you to the fast fix some course or they'll distance you because you're not good enough and all that does is judge people make them feel that they are to blame when my bible says confess your faults to one another and you'll be healed and to me if you're hurt and you've forgiven them and you still feel that pain then if you talk about it you are not blaming them by saying it you're not a you're not committing sin of self-pity this is the usual litany self-pity unforgiveness that's what you get accused of most of the time by the novice those who have never been through anything deep and they're not usually dark-skinned. The dark-skinned people don't do all that. I don't think they need all this prophetic counseling. I think they have this strength of might, power and might from the years of slavery and abuse that they already took. They grew up resilient. They have a stronger power of might. I have the power of might, which is part of Isaiah 11. 
let's see, is Isaiah 11, 2 and 3, the seven spirits of God, counsel, might, power, wisdom, fear of the Lord, all that. And so it's because I had to, and I knew God, and God entrusted me with going through this stuff to help people. And I got, I did invite him to fill me with his spirit, and that's why I know about the word and the spirit, and I know about the glory, and I know about these things because of God sending me to places where I understood it. Thank God for the good teachers and on TV. The power of the Holy Spirit, the power of His might, the sustaining presence and rest, peace of the Lord, then knowing about forgiveness. And some of it has been through teaching about this kind of counsel. But it really, the Lord taught me, it's your own choice to forgive. But then there are days you should be able to you know, talk to somebody and vent and have them pray. Because the missing links on a lot of this fast food prophetic fix them fast everybody nobody can say that they're hurt oh no because that means they need to be diagnosed because they've got self-pity and unforgiveness baggage and if you're prophetic they've made bitter root judgments so i've studied this listen and god is so good so i found some more principles to throw into this mix all right, you don't want to accuse somebody who's grieving and a widow, which I was like a widow at one point. You don't want to accuse anybody if they say, I'm hurting because I miss my, you know, I was I was forced to divorce. I was kicked to the curb. But because got so many people, they've got so many people that are saying the same thing. And some are really just at fault. They did deserve divorce. You know, they were. It's like you can't weed out the really pure in heart that are grieving from those who've got baggage these people cannot do that they call themselves a prophetic minister many of these are not their diagnosis like dr phil with a no license not all of these i don't want to hurt that movement i really don't but i want to bring truth to add to their wisdom the bible teaches me confess your faults to one another and you'll be healed. That means a relationship in ministry or at home or somewhere is involved. Counseling, pastor, friend. The Bible says we are to command, weep with those who weep, mourn with those who mourn. That's a relationship. Missing verse. That is a relationship theology verse. You have to deal with somebody, interact. That's part of healing. It helps me to, like if I have my sister or another friend in the Lord, certain times I will... Forgive and forgive and forgive. And sometimes you're just lonely and you think, man, I'd like to share. And sometimes it's very honest and you think, man, I just need to tell somebody that will help me heal. Not complaining, not being vitriol and forgiving. See, everybody's looking for the loophole. Let's make sure we can, if we hear anything in their writing or their speaking, if they're complaining in any method, oh good, now we don't have to deal with them. Because they're officially sinning by complaining, having unforgiveness baggage, and that means they're rooted in self-pity. This is the muck and mire of this. So we have to teach it with balance. Yes, nothing is sinful about sharing that you have pain. When I first came, and I hate to say it, 
but the whelps are big. This is the big whelp thing. You can tell a we centric versus a we global how they handle this. The we centrics are acutely, maybe astutely schooled in written and in Bible or pop psychology. They're astutely well-versed with their movement. They read all their books. They know about all their Jezebel spirits, all this stuff, all right, can be good in balance. But my point is that you have to know not everybody is a highly articulate, verbal, know all the rules and regulations legalistically, of skill that you've learned from other people just because you've sat under their ministry, read their books for all those years. When some of us have not really intentionally or not intentionally have not done that, God has told me not to go to school. You know, certainly he's taught me by the Holy Spirit and listening to select people. And I do go to churches and I fellowship for many, and I had educated parents that were Bible theologians, you know, but I'm saying you have to know that not everybody's going to be a formula, a stereotype. Some people, and this is the skill we need to add to the all the thousands that do this counseling. Always check, does this kind of person mature? Are they older than you? Maybe they've been ever and may never go. Maybe they've been through hell and you've grown up reading manuals about people going to hell, you know, going through hell, suffering. Maybe you've heard about all the people and your teaching is because you have no experience. That's immaturity. That is immaturity. Nobody can help it. They have no, if they're immature, but we can wise up as trainers of these people and give them help to say some of the people God will have you weep with those who weep. Give an ear of compassion. Don't be stone cold. Don't be set on fixing them to get them out so the next one can come in. Like I put on the rawhide theme of YouTube. Move them, move them, move them. Get those doggies moving. Rawhide, move them out. All right. It says you don't have to understand them. Just rope and ride and brand them. That's what it is. All right. In its worst case. Not all of it is that bad. But I'm saying that when I've noticed in trying to make acquaintances with pastors that are white, let's put it this way, when I was new, Fort Worth, Plano, certain ones in the area at before 2018, my biggest surprise was the biggest wake-up call that I realized, uh-oh, I shouldn't have said, I just came out of abuse. I'm here and as a minister, and boy, I'm glad some of those people tried to do this to me, stole my stuff. I shouldn't have said it, because immediately I was distanced from, I was pegged as awful, I was pegged as unforgiveness baggage by these elite, they're elite and then their people who are in their 30s, their crew, sized me up. And it was like, what is the word? There's a superior, whatever that is, it's this, it's this accusation of a pariah. All of a sudden, instead of peer, you're now a pariah. 
or you feel that because now they're smug and they pull back amongst themselves and they all got the dialogue down. You know what? Everybody's unforgiving. Everybody's, you know, everything has got to be rooted in their terms as, oh, I'm out. I'm not listening to see how I can have empathy and compassion and weep with those who weep, which, which is relationship. And we forgive them, but we're teaching because this needs to be taught, needs to be heard. Instead, as they're listening, they're not listening for the compassion that they would have to give. They're listening. Am I going to hear unforgiveness? I'm going to, I'm not listening to your words. I'm listening. Does it have the symptom of unforgiveness, bitter root judgments, accusation, and self-pity? And when I found that out, after stumbling into the same group, the same group with the same core doctrine, the same whelp, basically, well-meaning, gentle spirits, but into the order of the whelp, which means if you're not submitted somewhere, we won't deal with you. We will, you know, I've had people... In the same group. Now I have to forgive. They're really good people. When I teach on we centric. I notice that people that are more white. Don't have a lot of black people ever on their staff. No women usually. Tokens here and there. And I think well. These are nice people. I think some of. You know when I look at the white people. And they're we centric. We are the world. We are used to owning people that type of thing a lot of people can be in the good part which means we don't just under we're ignorant we've never been around black people or other people that are not just like us and that's why i think we need to work on those kind of people wake them up that they are need to be alarmed because they're getting now confused with white people as racist because the spectrum of we centric we are the world we're sort of think we're the our way our way of looking at submission and authority everybody be under us is the only way in the bible we are the only way so if i walk in as a we global with an energy maybe africans get and like have a different energy i notice that when i walk through a we a whelp i've had witch watchers come over to me i have been jumped in public I've had people freeze for me. I've had people give me the stony stare, will not speak to me. When when I'm not with whelp, they're fine. So I am a perceiver discerner plus to help you with this as a seer prophet. To help you. To evaluate, assess, not be accused, not feel condemned. But this is something that a black person might pick up because I... They relate to me and I relate to them pretty well, more than the we-centric. I do really, the we-centrics are finicky to me. They're very picky, very rules-oriented, very conscious of their way as the only way. And even though I know some within the group are not, I want to caution you that the overall majority are, and many of them are, I hate to say it, classic. We-centric is raised country, deep south, red state, our four, no more. We've seen it all, done it all. We're sort of like a, a group into ourselves, and we wonder why we're not darker. I'm telling you why, because you're not. We global. You have to have a more, a different. You have to have an approach where you can handle, not be scared of, 
not pass over or write off somebody's not your culture. You have to deal with different cultures and people that are different, that look different, act differently, even the white ones. You might have a wee global like me that comes in. I had one where I visited, and at first this really nice wee centric, turned out they were wee centric, very nice group, prophetic group. When the the leaders first met me, I didn't tell them I'd been through H and you know in the area and so I made an appointment to get to know and I had a prophecy from them that said oh we see your the Lord has shown me you're sent to speak you're a speaker and I went you're right so I went to meet the second in command and I hap- that was when I found out uh oh I said I'd been through hurt it was never the same after that well, then I introduced myself to the head one, and I said, you know, I'm going to be here, and I just want to say thank you and all this stuff. Well, when it turns out that I wasn't submitted to their patriarchal, whatever it is, the whelp thing in their group, I was standing in line, and they were white, and they were we-centric, and I stood in line to say hello to the mature pastor, founder, and when he got to me, because he knew I wasn't going to join or I wasn't involved in the whelp type thing in the area, I wasn't going to be. And see, it seems a lot of people out here think there's one prophet that all prophets should be under. And I don't believe that. That's wrong. But they think that. And I don't believe that. And my spirit is, my energy's, you know, different from them. I'm a Galatians 1, 1 and 2. Not out, sent out by any one man, not any one person, not any one group like Paul that doesn't mean I don't abide in James 3.17 at all times but I don't believe in covering little women and all that stuff shouldn't do anything so anyway I stood in line to say something to this head pastor mature pastor and there was one person in front of me and I stood there and when he finished with that person he just turned his back on me and left and he went and talked to somebody else and I went, this is too, too doctrinally off. So I didn't go. It was just very, but it shows me every time as God said, don't take it personally. You're seeing what I see. It's a relationship, prophetic issue, big issues of respecter of only certain kinds of person covering an authority issues that are big doctrinally. And people are going to have to have revival. You have to make sure people feel safe coming in your midst that you're not going to be standoffish showing a respecter of persons which is really a disrespecter for some persons the kind you don't favor they pick that up and that's why I'm saying it because if I go and I'm sent you know all I can say is my dad might have had more blood but I have some energy that the whelp just don't like and I go in there and they you can it stirs up their spirit by me sitting there calmly and being quiet and just wanting to say hello, and it started on the East Coast. <laughs> That's how I know about Welp. I thought, when I walk in this this kind of group, they act weird. And when I walk in the other kind of group, they're nice. And I wasn't raised around this kind of stuff with my father and Baptists and Methodists and Christians don't do that, but this kind of group does. And I, I thought, I'm being like racially profiled, the Lord said.
It's like racially, pro- I go in, even though they're white, I'm white. There's some kind of profiling going on because I don't meet their criteria. And I know it because I'm a prophet, not a prude, not a proud person. One that is used to being getting along with men and women and was married and just a professional peer. So then you think, well, I'll study the kinds that do this. And that's how I got the my own racial profiling for them. And it was middle-aged, Western European background, back under the law. Women are not allowed to be taught, teach, or be on stage much at all. And then well-meaning, educated, maybe, you know, and then no black people, maybe one token, but not a lot in the crowd. The women are usually in their library, usually not everyone, but many times Jezebel spirit books, discerning the Jezebel, all that. So it's prophetic white. Then I would go to, uh, I've been around the different parts of the nation, different kind of Christians, so I don't mean to be critical, but I'm trying to evaluate so this will help you build your 100 Hebrews 10, 25 fellowshipping with the saints. You'll be able to say, well, you know, I didn't know I was critical and accusing people by doing this. A lot of this really comes across as accusing. So I'll say it this way. If you are not black, have never been abused or accused unjustly, had Pharisees jumped in a public place, and you need to listen to me, because I have, and I'm not black. But I seem to have this energy they get. They really get me. Internationals get me. Vietnamese get me. I just have this childlike flight. I don't know what it is, but they get me because I'm we global, not we centric. So I go and if I think if I'm treated this way by the whelp, the we centric, we are the world centric, then I'm there on behalf of the black people, the newbie, the uh, international, because I'm picking up what they probably pick up. Why do I say that? One time I went to a famous, now dear departed, whelp when I first got to Texas. And the first time I went, I'm used to dealing with men. That's part of my ministry, a human's ministry. My father is respectful. I respect men. So I went up to say I was there the first time and they and the I got a prophecy from the elders and they said, oh, God has sent you here to this to Dallas with a word for the pastors, I thought, you are right. But I, I was coming out of abuse and divorce, unwanted, unsuspected. Long story short, so I go back again because I think I need to affiliate, I'd like to. Well, when the head head pastor, every time he looked at me, and he was famous, he's not here now, he's dead. But I felt like, you know, I'm just sitting there quietly, I think as a peer, as a person who's a minister, I'll go up and introduce myself. But that spirit... The Levitical patriarch spirit, like a deer in the head, like stares, it accuses, like he's seen some evil Jezebel, some evil demon, unclean, coming toward him. And see, people that are not like that never do that. So that spirit came on them. And you know what that certain denomination, I found that a certain denomination that is sort of Midwestern, that is mostly white, that is Levitical Patriarch. It's a big denomination. They speak in tongues. They say they do, whether they believe in it or not now. That, if anybody's been through that big denomination, famous denomination, most of the men, are, most of them are whelps. And they may be nice whelps or not. I'll say they're against prosperity teachers. I've heard that a lot. 
anyway, back, long story short. So I go up there and I think, when I go, I feel like I'm sent, you know, and I needed to affiliate and I thought I'm willing to sit on, you know, whatever. It was just not good, very accusing. And I felt like, you know, I, what is the spirit? Follow me. I don't want to be in this. But God said, so later I told our black friends that was a, one was a bishop. And I said to the couple, very smart couple, I said, you know, this is what happened when I went to this church and that church. He had been to the church with the glaring whelp head, famous guy. He said, I went there and they did the same to me. And that was a Pentecostal, bless them, you know, bless them though. This is a black Pentecostal preacher and they did the same to him. And I do must, even though I'm not a Pentecostal, I have been around Pentecostals. I can sound Pentecostal in my music, really get going and driving and rhythm and all that. I have a lot of rhythm that God has given me, but I'm not a dominator. I'm not a possessor. I don't need to have people under me or control people. Yet I find the whelp that accuse females need to be over them as a sign of their insecurity and need to control. I think whelp and Levitical patriarchism, the law, legalism, Phariseeism is to keep people under maybe so that it keeps their system bringing in ties and they have to, you know, have to keep people under control. That's my theory. So I'm saying this out loud, but a lot of it is from the West, as in pop psychology, not from the, it's pop psychology with everybody diagnosing spiritually, and then because they've only not, they haven't had a lot of maturity, they think, I've read the book, this is how you're supposed to address it. Everybody, uh-oh. The widow's grieving. She lost her husband. She's got 10 children. <laughs> she has no money. <laughs> but she's got unforgiveness. Big baggage of prophetic bitter roots. That's all I could picture. So, you know, the Bible says to the kind. He shows themselves kind. If you're a Jezebel watcher, you're not being kind. So you're going to attract Jezebels. If you're compassioned, then you'll, you know, you'll have that ministry that affects people. I tell people that you really be careful. Some of you, Eli, the compassion fatigue priesthood, because a person who's been enslaved, oppressed, abused, uh, accused, persecuted, will come to your church looking for a safe haven in Jesus Christ. And if they get that suspicious, whelp, fearful, possessive, unloving, glare disrespect accusation they're going to know it because they're not they're smart it makes you have when i had abuse it make and i've had to fight control being controlled even as a child on up i've had to fight not being controlled and i am not a controller believe me i realize i'm more sensitive now that i was jumped in public a few times by the whelp three times in, in a, like 20 years I made a little saying, and I have written on the topic for years, 10 years. I said, once you've, once you've been mauled by lions, it's easy to, it makes it easier to discern the scent 
to pick up the scent. Once you've been mauled by Levitical patriarchism, shepherding, jumped in public by a religious spirit, attacked by Pharisees, had racial prejudice, had abuse, had people, you know, all this stuff that goes on spiritually, emotionally, that's abnormal as a Christian, or at least it should be in ministry, it makes you heightened. So if you come from a nation where you are persecuted, oppressed by the law, by government, you're going to be heightened and really aware because you're you're smart and you develop that skill i think and i gotta go and close and we pray and bless everybody no matter what no matter who on the this but if you look at the the um people who've come up from slavery the african americans when i'm with them they don't have to be taught prophecy they act prophecy you know they are living they don't have to be taught line upon line about all these healing oh you were wounded everybody's wounded everybody's this that i'm sure there are a few maybe but i don't seem to meet them i find them up front candid and can handle it themselves with prayer and time and that they just have a culture of strength they have the power of might the spirit of might which is missing and depleting in the church that uses formulas in the whelp community one reason i think i my spirit just showing up i am foot five foot ten all right and that might scare little folk little men but i just show up very calmly looking because usually i need to be with god i want more of god's spirit so i'll show up looking for God, not looking for flaws. And I'll just try to be the friendly saint, the newbie, the peer. And that's what they can't handle. So I'm I'm telling you now, instead of accusing people by their look, their form, they, they look like your aunt who is the Jezebel mother of all time or the mean Ahab or the black person that did you wrong in the old day. You got to look by their fruit now. James 3.17, are they abiding and will they abide in your ministry, in your presence, in the spirit of God, which says that the wisdom that comes from above is represented by pure, peaceable, easily entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Easily entreated is a big one. Pure and peaceable also. Respecter of persons, no, but without partiality yes so that means no pets no clannish favorites you have to be real with all colors males and females all kinds of persons all identities and let god do the rest this is tavo drc god loves you i love you and please if you have any word of the lord you know if you want to connect just write dfw leader at gmail.com if you need counsel and you're the top founder leader who counsels others i counsel or give advice males and females and if you want to brainstorm or whatever find out more about the ministry and then we ask you to pray for us get our we need the worship out we need our worship it's been waiting a long time in texas and if you feel the lord says support with your love offerings your tithes and your prayers god bless